Hello, everybody. <laughs> I'm Lisa Shield. And I'm Benjamin Shield. And this is Getting Inside the Right Male Mind. We are so happy to be here this morning, this beautiful Sunday morning. So today we want to talk to you about a phenomenon that many of you may have encountered, which is the nice guy. And nice guys are almost, you know, almost just the opposite side of the coin from love bombers and uh, avoidance. In fact, they too can be avoidant. Pardon me, we will. And uh, they can be, you know, pleasers. They can be overly nice. And Benjamin's going to really go into depth on this in a moment. But we find that many, many women who do, who participate in our 12 week emotionally naked dating course, what will often happen is they, you know, we talk about how, um, we talk about how many of us are getting into trouble because we're going after the guys who are trouble, the love bombers, the narcissists, the guys that come on hard and fast and strong and then ghost us the minute we get pulled into a relationship with them or we start having feelings for them. And so what we advise our clients to do is to look for those men who don't do that, the men who often might seem boring in the beginning, and some women don't like the use of that word boring, but because they've been in these high-octane relationships, running and chasing and on that roller coaster ride, which is so exciting and activating, it creates so many hormones that really are almost addictive like drugs. And so when they switch to looking at men who are more secure mm. and grounded, it often feels boring because they're not feeling that surge of hormones that they feel with these love bombers and these narcissists and abusive guys. And so what happens is they start giving every nice guy that comes along a chance. And it's good to give nicer men a chance, but not every nice man is a good potential candidate for a relationship either. Just because he's nice doesn't mean that he's a great guy or that he's a good fit. So, babe, I'm going to turn it over to you. Right. And sometimes nice isn't nice. <laughs> and it's easy to mistake the passive, pleasing, and generous characteristics of a what we would call the nice guy for those of a healthy male. You know, um, to many women, a nice guy initially appears to be a real catch because the nice guy is different from other men they've met. Um, but nice guys have an inherent flaw. They believe if they are good, giving, and caring, they will in return be happy, loved, and fulfilled. And when this life strategy fails to produce the results they want, um, they just try harder. And it creates a sense of helplessness and often resentment. Uh, and, and very often nice guys eventually are anything but nice. 
they can swing back and forth like uh, from from giving to anger and resentment like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And nice guys first appear wonderful. They're generous, they're kind, they're attentive. Anything you want, they will, will try to, to give you. Um, and But unfortunately, there's for the nice guy syndrome, and this applies to women as well, nice gals, um, they, they lack a certain backbone. They lack a certain sense of themselves because they're, they're constantly seeking the approval of others. They're, they, they try to appear perfect. They try to hide their perceived flaws and mistakes. And because they don't have this sense of self, they, they, put other people's needs and wants before their own, trying to please them so that if they please the other person, they'll get love in return. Honey, can I ask you, were you ever a nice guy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. And I've paid for it. I learned from it. (laughs) And, you know, at first, you know, a nice guy will, will feel, well, I'm doing everything for this person. I'm doing even more than what they're even asking for. And my first hint of the nice guy syndrome was towards the end of my first marriage, oh, 45 years ago or so. Uh, I was married to a beautiful soap opera actress. And I think because her career became so successful and, and eclipsed mine at, you know, all those years ago, that I was going out of my way to try to please her. And one day she had asked for a, you know, I was going out, she asked for a McDonald's hamburger. So, you know, in my nice guy way, I brought back three, you know, three different kinds. And I couldn't understand why she was so upset. And she was so upset because first, I really didn't listen to her, what she really wanted. And it was so clear that I was being so uh, effusive in trying to give that I really, it was more for me than for her. Can you talk more about that? Well, uh, nice guys want to give in order to get. And that's what makes nice guys somewhat dangerous in relationships because um, if they don't always get in return what they feel that they're giving out, then it can create resentment and, and anger. And so sometimes this anger is expressed in inappropriate and unexpected moments. Did you <laughs> yeah. have that? Um, there is a relationship that I had, a very brief relationship that um, you know, I think we all wish we could have a redo, you know, just replay the tape or edit it out. Um, but, you know, I can, I can see, you know, and my communication abilities grew from that. You know, I think we learn more from our failures and our successes. <laughs> so, yes, yes, I, I did learn from that. Uh-huh. Yeah. You did. Yeah. And was it painful for you? I mean, it must, it feels like 
when when I think about it, it must be so painful, you know, especially for a man who's trying so hard to make a woman happy, even if there is an ulterior motive, it must really be hard to be doing that and knowing that you're just giving and giving. In fact, we have somebody in our lives right now, very close to us, who's going through a breakup of a relationship who is a nice guy. Mm. And it's almost painful to watch him. Yeah. You know? And conversely, we've seen a couple wonderful women from our program find the guy of their dreams, really nice guys who didn't turn out to be as nice guy, nice as guys as they thought. Right. Uh, because these guys will eventually, you know, because they feel like they're giving so much, they're, they're hiding any flaw that, that they may have. Um, they, but they become secretive of their flaws and their mistakes and their insecurities. And that tends to fester. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't create a relationship where it's so open and free that we could just share what we, you know, what we need, what we feel, you know, what we want from the other person and how to ask for it. We just feel that intuitively they'll know because we're giving so much that, you know, we'll get it back in return. Mm-hmm. I had a client once who was incredibly wealthy and he would go so far out on these dates. I mean, it was almost painful to hear him talk about it. One time he got tickets to like a, um, I can't remember who it was, but a major concert. And he, this was a, like a first date with a woman mm. and he hired, he took her to a beautiful dinner, hired a limo, yeah. went to the concert you know, went out for drinks afterward and she started talking to another guy and gave him her, she gave this other guy her business card and he was heartbroken because he had gone so far out of his way to impress her. But there's a point where women can sense it. A lot of women can sense it and it feels smarmy. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of too muchness, like a love bomber comes on in one way, but this is a whole different way that just feels awful for the for the person on the other end. Yeah, and at first it can feel good. It can mm-hmm. feel like, oh, at last I found a man who's considerate, generous, you know, going out of his way to please me, um, really cares for me in all these ways, you know, he's caretaking. Um, and, but then it crosses a line, mm-hmm. you know, it crosses a line and it's no longer a healthy relationship. Uh, these men sacrifice their own personal power and, and, and often begin to play the role of a victim. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, it, in doing so, they can dissociate from their own masculine energy. You know, and what relationship needs is this polarity they, they don't need someone who is just like a, a a lap dog just trying to you know not only please the other person but but wait for scraps of affection to come their way uh 
it's just, it's not masculine and it's, it's not healthy for the woman in, in the relationship either. Well, she loses respect for the guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so just about everything a nice guy does is consciously or unconsciously calculated to, to gain someone approval or avoid disapproval. And so he's constantly walking on eggshells, which again, does not make for a great relationship. But you also never get to connect with the real person. They have no, almost no thoughts or feelings of their own. They go along with things. Exactly. And there's no, there's no sexuality there. Uh huh. It's just trying to please. And even with sexuality, you know, I think one of the things that, that creates the intense pleasure is, is telling people what you want and need and the other person knowing that and being able to give back mm -hmm. rather than just giving to someone and giving and hoping they'll get something back. Mm -hmm. That's satisfying. So nice guys believe that their, their generosity is a sign of how good they are and, and, and will make other people love and, and appreciate them. I think one of the, the issues, and not meaning to get into psychology, but, but boys are early on raised by women. You know, their mothers have a tremendous influence. Um, and then they go into kindergarten and, and throughout elementary school, it's almost entirely female teachers. So some, some boys are taught at an early age to try to please women. And by their mothers. By their mothers and teachers. You know, they're they're mm -hmm. really this this is who they're exposed to. These are their authority figures and these and, women. Uh-huh. And and in some ways role models. So um it can start at an early age. So there, there are certain characteristics that that nice guys have. They they try to caretake people and fix things in, in the other person's lives and problem solve for them. Um, they're constantly seeking approval from others. Um, and they're always calculating and analyzing more than feeling. Uh, and I think that years ago, and we're talking, you know, more than 40 years ago, um, uh, I took a, a workshop at UCLA and we were supposed to come up with a, a very short version of what we think of, of the other people in the group. And I was told by someone that I was a feeling strategist, <laughs> which sounds conflicting, but, and, you know, for years I thought, that was exactly right on because I was feeling, and, and these nice guys have feelings. They have deep, deep needs that are often unmet, but they strategize to get those, those feelings met, you know, seen, you know? And so, you know, I was absolutely guilty of that. And, huh. and what I thought was, wow, that, that's terrific. Uh -huh. I'm a feeling strategist. <laughs> 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 you 
well, uh, later in life, I'm thinking, you know, uh, maybe not so much. <laughs> <laughs> I know you've told me that that was a good description of you before. At, at the time it was. But yeah. Not, not these days. Uh-huh. Wow. Yeah. Um, they're, they're constantly seeking approval from others. They're, and as I mentioned before, they're, they're doing whatever they can to avoid conflict, which isn't a great thing for a relationship because not that relationship has to be about conflict. Ours, ours isn't, you know, but we're so open with each other and we know that we have each other's best will at heart that we could say anything mm-hmm. at any time yeah. and not take it personally. Um, and we don't feel that we have to hide our what we perceive our flaws and and mistakes and and so nice guys you know women are you know going along things are great they're going you know on trips and getting gifts and things like that but but the guys in return are repressing their feelings you know that uh, if they're not getting anything everything they want in return from these generous gifts and, and, and acts of kindness um, that they start getting resentment and anger. And you know, nice guys, you know, we were talking about how boys from an early age can learn to please women, but sometimes also that, that nice guys have had difficult fathers. They could have been alcoholics, abusive, philanderers, all of these things, and at an early age, they decide they're going to be 180 degrees from their father. They're going to be so nice and so giving and so generous and and um, never argue, you know, never raise their voice or whatever it may be, that they become this um, facade of, of a nice person. Mm. You know? uh, and we've often given the, the difference between nice and kind. And kindness is is a virtue. You know, kindness is where you know you're kind to yourself, and from that kindness and love for oneself and sense of self comes kindness for others. Niceness often neglects the sense of self, and is just trying to give in order to get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And eventually, that will uh, show up in a relationship, and. Either the woman will stay in the relationship but lose respect for the man, and it will become more of a, at best, a friendship than mm-hmm. a romance. Um, or, you know, they'll just really start looking for men that have a backbone mm-hmm. and, you know, are genuinely kind, but, but aren't constantly seeking approval from others to get and and giving to get what they need mm-hmm. or they feel they need. Yeah. Um, so nice guys can be manipulative. Uh, they because they have a hard time making their own needs a priority uh, and asking for what they want. Um, this creates a, a sense of powerlessness, um, and they frequently resort to manipulation to get what they want, which again is toxic in a, in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can be controlling. You know, it, it, you know, women at first can think that they've hit the jackpot, that, you know, 
this guy's generous and, 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 you know, we're going to these great restaurants. Uh, we go window shopping and he goes in and he buys me things that, you know, without me even, you know, asking, but after a while that crosses a line into controlling mm -hmm. the relationship that, that they think, well, I'm doing all of these things for you. And, you know, you need, you need to do that. You need to be this way. You need, and, and so this Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde goes back and forth between, you know, being this angelic guy and this resentful, angry guy. And that's what's insidious about it. Like, that's really the hallmark of these nice guys is that they're doing all of these things they're giving to get. And when they don't get what they want, they're, a completely different person underneath. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it may be all of the time they're harboring resentment mm -hmm. and suppressing anger, and sometimes this comes out as in passive aggressive behavior, mm -hmm. um, which is just toxic for a relationship. Well, and, and they they're really like like perpetual victims. Exactly. There's a lot of self-victimization underneath all of that. Exactly. And, and by playing a victim, they're asking for kindness. Mm -hmm. turn, you know, I'm suffering. I'm, I've done so much. I've been a victim. And by acting that way, they're, they're hoping that someone will notice it. And, mm -hmm. and, but it, it doesn't work that way. Usually it just works in a lack of respect and a distancing. Well, and I think that there's probably a lot of women listening who are probably thinking, wow, I do the same thing. You know, a lot of women pride themselves oh, yeah. on being givers. Mm -hmm. I give and I give and I give and I give. And how come I always get taken advantage of? Why don't I ever find love? Why do I attract the avoidance or the narcissists or the abusers? And it's you know, they're as guilty of this as men are. Oh, and I've I've dated women who have been so giving that it hasn't felt comfortable mm -hmm. because I don't have a sense of them. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, you know, giving. What can I do? Um, you know, uh, you know, what do you need? And and men really want to be able to please women, hopefully in a healthy way. You know, mm -hmm. in a mutual giving and, and receiving way. And if a woman always says that, oh, things are fine, you know, I don't need anything, uh, a guy's just left empty pocket. You know, he has nothing to give to her. And so there's no polarity. There's no, you know, pleasure in, in, in giving to the other person. Well, and that's been lost just in relationship, in so many relationships today, both with men and women, and I can think of so many, we work with female clients, yeah. we work with women. So I think about how many women have this, I want a man, but I don't need a man kind of attitude. And we understand what they mean, but, you know, but what they're communicating to a guy is, you know, I can give and give and give, I have everything I need. And it's almost as if 
a man would just be an accessory in their lives, but not, you know, and there's no room for that reciprocity that you're talking about. And so the women, it's so funny. They're, you know, they're angry because men aren't giving, they're not showing up, but men don't know how to show up with them because there's no opening. And I think half a century ago in the, in the early seventies, there was a, the radical feminism movement, mm-hmm. which produced a lot of good, you know, to this day. But at that time, um, that, that men seemed insignificant. Mm-hmm. And so I think men either dissociated or tried to ingratiate themselves somehow into the lives of, of some women who really felt that, you know, because of the power imbalance over these centuries, um, you know, that, that, you know, men weren't as needed as, as, you know, in past generations of past centuries. So they're really trying to work their way in, you know, to try to ingratiate and, and give and all that. And, and usually it backfired. <laughs> yeah. And for a lot of men, they became, you know, that's another thing that contributed to the nice guy syndrome. They didn't know no longer were there, there are these very clear cut roles between men and women and suddenly a man didn't know, can I ask for her number? Can't I ask for her number? What's going to, do I open a door for her? Do I not open it? <laughs> should I pull out her chair or should I let her do it herself? You know, does she want to buy her own meal? I'm afraid to even pay for dinner for her. So there was a lot of confusion that was created. And most women, many women, I'll say, want men to do those things, but they also don't want to seem needy. So there's so much confusion yeah. with all of this. And then women sit back and wonder where all the real men are. <laughs> so I know we went on a bit of a tangent there, but I think it's still a very relevant piece of this conversation. Yeah. And a healthy woman wants a real man. And a real man is a man who with kindness can ask for what he wants, what he needs, to communicate in a way that's that's loving, but clear, and in in the present time. So there's not a lot of repressed feelings that it comes out. And the, the longer it takes for something to come out, the more unhealthy it is when it does, you know, when it is expressed. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the interesting things about nice guys is that. Um, Often they can be addictive, you know, have addictive behaviors, you know, to relieve stress, altered moods, medicate mm-hmm. emotional pain. Um, and so sometimes a woman will meet a man who's so kind and, you know, giving and all that, and then discover they may be addicted to pornography, um, have a drug addiction, um, some kind of addictive behavior um, that, that, they compartmentalize. So they're really nice here. And then they've got this other part of them to, to balance that, you know, repressed part. So, so it comes out in that addictive behavior. And it's interesting because one of the hallmarks, as you're saying this, one of the hallmarks of addiction is, is resentment. Mm-hmm. Underneath every addiction is a person who 
is harboring tremendous unexpressed emotion and feeling and resentment towards other people. They feel like eternal victims. And that's a huge thing that is dealt with in AA. You know, that's partly what Alcoholics Anonymous or 12-step programs are about, are giving people a platform, a place to stand up and just speak out, just Mm -hmm. speak their truth without being judged or questioned or you know, even in 12-step meetings, there's no crosstalk. If yeah. you get up, you pitch, yeah. and you share how you're feeling or what's going on, and there's no, like, mm. crosstalk. Nobody comments. Nobody, you know, gives a rebuttal on what you said, but it's a way of just helping these people uh, get those repressed feelings and resentments out. They're set, They're like, pressure cookers. Yeah. And I think one of the things that causes resentment is the nice guy's inability to to create boundaries Mm -hmm. in in a relationship. And so without boundaries, the other person is constantly seeking where this person is at, you Mm. know, and, you know, I think that um, you have described very nicely, very kindly in our relationship that I can be, I'm very kind, but I have very strong boundaries. Yeah. And I think that creates a very healthy atmosphere for a relationship, a romantic relationship. Well, it creates a safe relationship. It's actually, you know, what makes our relationship so safe is that we're both very kind, but you in particular have such clear boundaries and you're able to, you know what they are. I know what they are. <laughs> you can express them. I know when I cross the boundary. But because of that, you know, I, I often say we have like a an Olympic-sized swimming pool to play in because we know where the ba- – there's such a beautiful, wide-open space for us to be together but we ver- know very clearly where those boundaries are. Yeah. Well, you skipped over something here about nice guys having issues with sexuality, which is a big one. Well, they do because they tend to be givers and and they can b- bring resentment into the, into the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, sometimes nice guys may resort to kink uh, because they... It's a way of being with someone, um, and in some ways, I may, I may not have the vocabulary for it, but um, not not being intimate. Mm-hmm. The kink is more important than the person, and so they're more comfortable with that because they really haven't established that intimacy that's needed for you know satisfying sexuality. Or pornography, they yeah. can be, they can disassociate completely. Yeah. And it's really, I saw a lot of this in my practice when I was coaching men and couples, is how easy it is for men to default to pornography, nice guys, really, really, really good guys, because um, they're not getting that connection from the women. and they can get such, you know, they can get 
something that's desperately missing from their lives, but then it it has a, a ricochet effect, you know. So yeah. they're going to it to you know for to get that thing that's missing, but then it's another thing that makes it impossible for them to connect with their partner. Right. So it has you know, a double whammy in a way. Yeah, it's just, it was awful. And and it was so, you know, you think of pornography or it used to be thought of as something that, you know, sexy guys would watch pornography mm-hmm. because they had such high libidos mm-hmm. and such high sex drives. But very nice men default to it because they're not able to connect with, yeah. with women. Yeah, so yeah. it's a big one. And with pornography, the ship gets further and further away from the dock. Yeah, it becomes harder and harder for a man to connect with a woman. I don't As, think you're supposed to use the word harder. <laughs> <laughs> More difficult. <laughs> so, you know, an an integrated man, a man that a woman would be looking for, has has a strong sense of self. That nice guys often don't have a strong sense of, of self. Um, and he often likes himself just how he is. You know, and he may be growth-oriented, you know, growth-minded. But for the most part, he likes who he is. And he's not giving up himself to seek approval from others. Or to particularly to have behavior that, that avoids a disapproval. Um, and, you know, a healthy, a healthy man takes responsibility for his own needs, you know, uh, getting his own needs met in communication or doing things that, that are nourishing for him, hobbies and things like that, that a nice guy may give up that time um, that for himself to see what can I do for the woman? And, and ultimately, what can I get in return? Um, and there's a difference between being nurturing um, and and caretaking and problem solving. You know, nurturing is is healthy, but caretaking the relationship becomes unequal in in so many ways. You know, he feels like he's superior to the person because he's caretaking. And in some ways, she feels he's inferior because he's giving him up himself to caretake. And often, nice guys try to problem solve, which isn't a trait that, that most women want. <laughs> no, <laughs> they want to be heard. They want to be, uh, you know, like you know, have a, a shoulder that they could rest on, but. They don't want a man necessarily to jump in and try to to fix things for them. You know, they want to be heard, and and um, sometimes that's that's enough. And what nice guys do in in a simple phrase is too much. Mm-hmm. It's too much. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Joy, I think we have some questions. We do have some comments, and if anybody, you know, wants to comment or has any questions, please let us know. Um, Shannon said, you know, this is really good. Hi, Shannon. Hi. It's great to see you here. 
And she wrote, yes, and then we end up confused and feeling badly for not respecting and admiring them, which is deeply what we want to feel about our man. Exactly. Exactly. The respect erodes. Mm -hmm. You know, at first, you know, thinking that one hits the jackpot, you know, wow, he, he, he brought flowers and these things and, and, you know, on the first date and, and we went to this expensive restaurant and it's been like that. And, and, uh, and then they realize that the, the woman realizes that they don't have a, much of a sense of the man himself. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just someone who's giving, 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 but what's, what's there. Yeah. And it's not fun. Like, like the, one of the hardest things with these guys is that our clients really want to like them, you know, and they can't understand what's missing. It's almost like when you're cooking and you keep tasting something and it's like, it it's like everything's there, but there's something missing, you know, it's just like you put all the ingredients in, but it needs more salt, mm -hmm. you know, it just is, cr it's crying out for something and you can't quite put your finger on what that is, but it's not right. It's just okay. And it's tough, you know, it's really tough because especially when women do the 12 week course and they're going through this metamorphosis, this transition from chasing the avoidant guys or the love bombers and they're trying to find a, a kinder, more secure man. And they come up against all these nice guys, which they do very often. They themselves think, is there something wrong with me that I can't connect with this guy? You know, why is it they blame themselves? I'm, you know, here I went from all these, you know, bad boys and these guys that you know, destroyed my life. And now I'm really trying to connect with a good guy. And, you know, and then they meet all these nice guys. Yeah. And, and nice guys can be the same side of the coin yeah. as an avoidant guy. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, they're trying to ingratiate themselves, <clears throat> both avoidance and nice guys. And the real self is hidden. Maybe yeah. even from the man himself, it's hidden. Yeah, it's it's awful. And I think it's important for anybody who's listening mm -hmm. to think about those people in your life, because we, we've all met people who are too nice, and we know what that is. And you can use that as a reference point when you're dating, if you're feeling that somebody is just going overboard, they're doing too much. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're really nice. They're taking you to great restaurants. This guy is, you know, really listening to what your needs are. And he's following up and he's planning dates. If you recommend a movie you want to see or someplace you've wanted to go and he, the next date, he makes it happen. But something inside of you isn't clicking, right? There's not enough polarity and there's, not, you know, usually these kinds of relationships, one of the hallmarks 
one missing ingredient is humor mm-hmm. and playfulness. I was thinking about that mm-hmm. because the nice guy is trying to control the relationship. There's nothing playful about mm-hmm. that at all. And and I think one of the the one of the elements of humor and playfulness is is a playful self-deprecation mm-hmm. in a way. And because the, the nice guys are so um, obsessive about hiding any flaw, uh, they can't joke about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we joke about it all the time. <laughs> but the other thing, too, is that playfulness and humor take a certain sense of self-confidence because when you're being playful, you're spontaneous and you're in the moment. And spontaneity is the is one of the missing ingredients from a nice guy because they're trying too hard and they're overdoing yeah. it. And so they're not in the moment. They're, they're always, up in their heads. They're always analyzing. Mm-hmm. Always yeah. analyzing what the next move will be. Yeah. So they're not spontaneous yeah. and they're not able to be playful. It really took me a long time. Like becoming playful for me was a conscious decision. It was really something that did not come naturally to me. I mean, I think I've always had a great sense of humor and I think that I have a certain kind of, you know, off the wall perspective, you know, but I was so busy second guessing myself and worried about what the other person would think that I couldn't be playful and in the moment. And it was really a decision that I made where I was just like, I'm going to become playful. I just told myself that I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I just started to be more irreverent. Mm -hmm. I started to answer a, you know, a question with a question. (laughs) I just started being, you know, more authentic, but nice people who are trying too hard can't do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's something to really look for. I just, for all of you who are struggling with, with why don't, why am I not connecting with this very nice man who is not, mm-hmm. you know, who's doing everything right, who's trying so hard, who seems to mm-hmm. be showing so much interest, a lack of spontaneity, humor, and being in the moment. Yeah. And if you're in a relationship with a man like that, it's difficult to break up with someone because there's no, you know, something to point at, you know, mm-hmm. like you're philandering or you're, yeah. you know, you're, you know, abusive or, you know, and so these relationships often persist in a very sterile way, mm-hmm. non-romantic way yeah. because the woman said, well, maybe I'm not ever going to find anyone nicer. You know, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, how can I break up with him? He's so nice. Or I can't really, you know, my girlfriends are saying, you know, that, wow, you're so lucky. You know, he's taking you all these places and my guy, he doesn't. Um, that it's difficult to end those relationships that, that at first seem nourishing and, and, and have become toxic. Yeah. Yeah. So Denise said, good point. I've done that. As protection too, being hurt definitely prevents intimacy. Yeah, thanks, Denise. Guys, see, don't seem to open doors anymore. I miss that a lot. 
<laughs> Denise, next time you come to a door, just stand there. Yeah. <laughs> Guys will open the doors. They will do these things. And, you know, as we teach in our program, it's really about encouraging your guy. I mean, all a guy needs you know, is a little encouragement. I love it when you open the door for me. Yeah. If I said that to Benjamin, I would never open a, get a door again yeah. as long as yeah. I live. And, and it wouldn't be coming from, God, I, I need to open this door for her to, to like me even more. It's more as a gentleman. Mm -hmm. This this feels great. <laughs> so it's really my own self-interest. You know, I feel good, but I'm not seeking something no. from it but and it's such an easy way to to help a guy win with you yeah. you know like the best thing is if you really care like i love you and i want you to feel like i'm you know it's easy to please me and it's easy to win not you know i mean i am easy to please i think i mean i have you know it's i really want to put this out there to everybody I have really, really, really um, expensive taste. <laughs> I do. And, uh, um, you know, when I say I'm easy to please, it doesn't mean that I don't like nice things and that I don't have very elevated and, and distinctive tastes. What I'm saying is that little gestures, small things don't go unnoticed yeah. by me. And, um, you know, I I love I really see all of the efforts that Benjamin makes on my behalf to to make me happy. So, and it makes it easy for him to win. And because I love him, I want him to win with me. <laughs> I want him to feel like he can win. Um, Denise said, "Thank you for helping us become healthy and vulnerable." <laughs> and one thing I really wanted to say about the opening the door thing. You never want to say to a man, well, why don't you ever open the door for me? Then he's going to feel like a failure and he's going to think, oh, I'm obligated to open the door for her, you know, because otherwise I'm going to be a disappointment in her eyes. And he's going to feel shamed. Right. Instead of saying, I love it when you open the door for me. Mm -hmm. That makes me feel so feminine yeah. and I feel like you're taking care of me. Mm -hmm. So very big difference, always in the way you say what you say and how you ask for what you want. Shannon wrote, it's interesting how all this complexity comes around to that. No matter how complicated, we can get caught into the confusion of it, especially when we are in it, but then step out back home. Know yourself, have strong spiritual practices that bring you home to that you guys hit the mark in every way. Oh, oh Shannon, thank beautiful. you so, so, so much. That was really, beautiful. really, really beautiful. Um, Denise wrote, yes, it can be difficult to distinguish if it's just love bombing or sincere. And Denise, that's why we encourage you all to move so slowly. Yeah. You know, we don't often know. And, it, and our own stuff is also in the way. Our own judgments, our own fears and all our own attachment styles. And so it's very easy. We have the most incredible story of a young woman in our mastermind program who's been working with us. Gorgeous woman. She's very, very successful and she's in her very early 30s. She wants to find a partner and get married and have children. 
And this very beautiful, delightful woman was having a hard time getting past even a first date, which would be surprising if you met her. But she has a way which is kind of almost unnoticeable to her girlfriends, but which I picked up on of being combative. It may be the lawyer in her, but she can get very argumentative. So if a guy does something that she doesn't approve of, she very quickly jumps to conclusions and thinks he has an ulterior motive. And then it becomes a a battle of the wills in a way. And so a lot of men, as much as they may be attracted to her physically, were not interested in dating her. She had a very recent experience where um, a man that she went on a date with, she thought she was being incredibly feminine. They went for a hike and it was delightful. And she was very positive because he did ask her on a second date. But on the second date, he said he made a comment to her that she wasn't very accessible. And he, he wondered if she treated her friends like colleagues, like business colleagues, because of, I think he was, couldn't probably put it into words, but because of this argumentative nature of hers. And she was really upset by this when she came on a one-on-one call with me. We do, Benjamin and I do the one-on-one calls only for our mastermind clients. And we get to know them intimately. And I said, look, you know, I think what's very hard to see is sometimes we're creating that dynamic and the other person is getting pulled into it because of our energy. And it may seem like it's them, but we're really creating it. And I suggested that she call him and just say, hey, I wasn't very happy with the way I handled things the other day. And when you invited me to your house for dinner on the second date, it just didn't feel comfortable to me. And instead of, you know, being a little, uh, um, not expressing directly how I was feeling, I wanted to let you know that I wasn't comfortable with that. And I really should have just said that. And he, he, so she met him and instead of doing it on the phone, she called him because she knows he goes for walks and she brought this up on a walk with him. And he was so touched. He said, I am so, I almost have tears because this was such a huge breakthrough for this client. He said to her, he said, I am so happy you said that. And he hugged her. And she said it was the most beautiful moment because it broke down this wall that she's had up for years. And she said, Lisa, I want to do this again and again and again. It felt so good. And she said, I felt a level of intimacy and closeness with him. And he said, you know, I'm not that guy. I don't want to rush into anything either. And he said, I really want to take my time. And I invited you over out of kindness, but not, you know, not because I had any ulterior motives. So it's this openness, it's how we ask for things, it's how we say things. But sometimes our attachment style, she's a bit avoidant, and her attachment style was getting in the way there. So you have to be careful with these things, because sometimes we don't know how we're creating these dynamics either. Clint said, I have been 
um, I've been for most of my adult life. How do we find the balance of being nice and kind to self-confident and aloof? Well, I don't think aloof is what you're going for either, Clint, but you take that one, honey. So I've been for most of my adult relationships. He's probably been nice. Okay. Um, well, again, it's it's having a sense of self and knowing you know, what your own needs are and you know, working to meet those needs mostly yourself and then knowing that a woman or a relationship would augment that, would expand your world. And so much for nice guys, they're looking to expand the world, but in so many ways, it, it makes the world smaller with their behavior because they're always in this very narrow lane of trying to please and avoid conflict. So it's really finding what your needs are, how you can satisfy those mostly yourself, and then how another person could augment that in your life. And Clint, it's also, you know, it takes a lot of courage to just stop caring if other people like you and to give yourself permission to be yourself and to start just speaking your mind, knowing that some people aren't going to like you, but a lot of people will. And you really do want to weed out the people who are not your people and find the ones who are. And also, if you're throwing mud at the wall and it's not sticking, the only way you can authentically learn what works and gets the result you want is by being authentic and then, you know, looking, seeing what's getting mirrored back to you and then refining how you're being. But it's a process and you have to step out of your comfort zone and start to just be yourself, knowing that you're going to get it wrong <laughs> and that some people aren't going to like you, but some people are, they're going to really fall for the real you. Well, we have to end today and uh, we just thank everybody so much for being here. We really appreciate you all coming on on a Sunday and supporting us and especially for bringing your thoughts and your comments and and all to the conversation it really makes it a much richer conversation and we know that you're getting the answers that you're looking for so please come back and see us again and tell everyone you know your girlfriends and your guy friends and your mom and dad and sisters and brothers and aunts and uncles and nieces and nephews and everybody that you that you can think of who might benefit from really hearing this beautiful male mind over here <laughs> which i happen to think is the most beautiful mind i've ever had the pleasure to know and the fact that you'll share yourself with everyone honey is really a gift to me and to the world my truly. pleasure really my pleasure truly truly and if you want to really learn more. Benjamin wrote four beautiful books, one of which is called Handbook for the Heart. That one is the only one that happens to be out of print, but you can still find copies of it on Amazon. It's a book I read of his by coincidence a month and a half before we met, and he has the most beautiful essay 
in the book. So if you want to learn more about love and these many beautiful interviews that Benjamin and his best friend Richard Carlson did with some of the predominant thinkers at the time on the subject of love, please go pick that book up. Also, rate and like our podcast. You can do that by giving us a thumbs up or a heart right here. You can rate it uh, wherever you get your podcasts. You can give us a like on YouTube. And please, if you have any desire to work with Benjamin and me to find the guardian of your soul, go to lisashield.com. You can learn a lot more about me and the work we do. And you can click the button all over the website to see my free presentation. And if you like what you hear, stay to the end because that's where you can book a call with a member of my team to learn how Emotionally Naked Dating, my 12-week course, can help you find a guy like this. (laughs) Thank you, everybody. Please come back and see us again. Love to you all, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.